Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast with Simon Cocking, Senior Editor. I'll be doing a series of interviews with people at the cutting edge of green tech, clean tech, and anything else that we think is interesting and worth listening to for you guys, our listeners. Okay, so today uh, we have Paolo Gallo, and he can tell me if I said that right. Um, he has, uh, we've reviewed his book recently, and he also writes for us, and uh, he has some good insights in in looking at what we do and how we do it so look first of all uh thanks it's great to have you on and maybe for those who haven't read any of your articles yet can you tell us maybe who you are and, and in a thumbnail what, what it is that you do well simon first of all thank you i i'm delighted to be your guest today yes i'm paolo the most important job that i have i'm a father of a teenager girl that is a full-time job. Uh, it's a lot of fun uh, and a lot of up and down. So, and I also do a couple of the things. I've been, fundamentally, I've been uh, head of human resources for Citibank Milan, for the World Bank, for the European Bank, for the World Economic Forum. And currently, I am open my company, which I do advisory consulting and coaching. I write uh, for your, you know, platform and for others as well and um, do a little bit of public speaking and I also teach in a couple of universities in Europe. That's pretty much what I do. Awesome. So uh, your book um, was recently out and I guess in some ways it was um, like republished with a bigger publisher. So um, what was the idea behind the book and, and, and how, how has it evolved to be the book that it is now? And, and what, what, what's the message you're trying to tell people? Uh, well, listen, uh, the, the book is titled The Compass uh, and the Radar, and fundamentally these two objects symbolize what, to me, represent what you need to have uh, in order to have a successful career. And then you also have to define what does it mean having a successful career. Mm -hmm. So the radar, to me, is the capacity to look at the big picture, to understand what's going on over and above the role at the companies and maybe the limits of the organization and the sector where you operate. So fundamentally, the capacity to constantly understand and, uh, and to certain extent anticipate uh, what's going to happen. The second one, the, the compass, um, is most down to a very simple point, which is what do you stand for? Which set of values uh, are important to you? And, uh, and what fundamentally you, you believe uh, is, a, is a mission in your, in your professional life, which is more important than, than a job description. So if you have, in my view, the, the radar, which I think I, I probably got some element of it in my 12 years at the bank, uh, and the compass, uh, I think you may have a successful professional life, and success cannot be defined in a conventional way in terms of uh, promotion, money, and power, but to me, in a, in a different way, which uh, everybody can achieve. Yeah, look, I mean, and, and I think in many ways you're articulating something that people are also seeing uh, in trends in terms of millennials and the younger generation coming into the workforce that the way they assess who they want to work for is, is there an alignment between values, purpose, ethics? Um, so is that a trend that you, I mean, you're in HR, so so is, is that a fair statement to say that? I, I, I believe so, but also... Uh, not just because I believe it, but because I saw that happening. And uh, I just want to make reference to my book. Uh, initially, my book was published um, in Italian. I'm, I'm from Italy, which uh, you got it from my accent by now. Um, I, wrote it, I have to say, for my own sake, uh, for because I felt the needed that I wanted to go deeper rather than faster in my life. No? So I, that book provided me the opportunity to reflect, uh, study, and perhaps uh, crystallize some of the thoughts. Then next thing I know, the book is published in 10 languages in, uh, in many different countries. And I start going uh, 
from Korea to Brazil to to Thailand or Germany or Spain or, or whatever it is or United States. Uh, and next thing I know, I have a quite a lot of people that actually relate to the concept uh, very closely. So what what I realized uh, that what came uh, from my heart uh, is uh, my attempt perhaps to provide a helping hand uh, in people in their professional journey. Is, is I noticed it was relevant, and it was relevant mainly for. Uh, people that are really looking for a purpose in their professional life rather than just the next salary increase or next paycheck. Uh, when reference to millennial, I also teach at university, so I have uh, quite a lot of opportunities to engage with them. I really noticed that the way uh, we thought, I mean, I'm, I'm 57 years old. Now, the way we thought of our career after we left university was like to go to one of the biggest companies, the JP Morgan, the Citibank, the McKinsey, this kind of the Procter and Gamble, uh, this kind of organization. Right now, uh, the, the the shift is more: give me a purpose, give me flexibility, give me the possibility to uh, express my values and my talents more freely. And please don't box me in in a in a predetermined career designed by maybe some human resource department somewhere in in another part of the planet. And so I noticed that 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 content is relevant for many. And the success of the book, to a certain extent, reflect uh, that I, I believe I raise an issue that is relevant emotionally and intellectually to many people globally. Yeah, look, I would agree. And I feel that it also matches. I mean, people have come to terms with the concept that a job isn't for life anymore and perhaps not even a career is for life. And therefore, if if, if what you do and the sector you do it in is fluid, then, then those kind of concepts that you're articulating help to provide people with a new method of negotiating their way forward so so i think you are meeting a need there um in in your book um you use animals to kind of exemplify some of your concepts uh so do you want to maybe talk about that and and i can see why it might resonate but what kind of animals are you using and and how is it helping people to understand your concepts well, uh, to me, it was an attempt to explain the organizational culture that you encounter when you enter to, to whatever complex system. So uh, my book is structured as a, as a journey, and then eventually you end up in a jungle. In this jungle, you find different kind of animal, and the animal represent the, 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 the kind of people that you're going to meet uh, uh, in, in whatever organization. No? So... Uh, basically, I say, listen, when you, when, you, when you enter into an organizational setting, it could be even a tennis club, it could be a large corporation, it could be a private sector, public sector, it doesn't really matter. You will find out, uh, let's say, this, this kind of guys, and, uh, and I put a matrix that explains, let's say, the two variables of, of, of what I'm referring to. The first one is the people that are really working for the organization, so team players, people that put the interest of the place where they work before their own uh, agenda. And of course, people, they do the opposite, people in which they, they work for themselves. And then you have people that do understand the complexity, the culture, and the modus operandi of the organization, and people that don't, okay? So then you have the matrix, and you have four categories of people. So the first one, easy to understand, which is the people that don't really understand the game, and they're very, let's say, uh, uh, prima donna, they want to, to, to you know, put their own uh, uh, interest first. Uh, these are the kind of guys that you want to uh, to to avoid. I call them the chickens um, because they are probably end up being roasted by the organization <laughs> because they are not particularly popular in whatever organizational setting. Uh, then uh, you have uh, on the opposite side uh, people that are extremely 
let's say, um, um, aware of the organization, they know the organization extremely well, and uh, they also contribute uh, extensively to the success of the organization. So these are the elephant or the lions, so positive uh, uh, individuals uh, that to a certain extent represent the reference point internally. They represent the gravitas, the credibility, and they become also mentors and coaches, usually to younger people. So these are the kind of guys that you want to engage with, uh, and to a certain extent, these are the models that you want to, uh, to uh, um, emulate uh, and replicate. Then you have also people that are, let's say, extremely, uh, let's say, uh, givers, the people are working in, uh, in organization for the sake of organizations, they are team players, but to a certain extent, naive, they're pretty a bit out of the game. I call them the dogs, so they're very loyal, but end up when they're lucky to get a bone, they never be able to eat and to benefit benefit from the organization because they're to a certain extent naive and isolated within the context. And then you have the last categories of people, the people that are very smarter, they know the organizational game quite well, but they're playing their own game for their own sake and their own advantage. And these are the snakes. These are the people that you want to avoid. These are the psychopaths. These are the people that are usually are toxic in the organization. And if you have the misfortune to have them as a boss, uh, it's usually not uh, an easy ride. So when I when I when I describe these uh, categories of animal, um, I got literally thousands of messages from different people to say, "My God, I've been a dog all my life," uh, or "My boss is a snake," uh, or "I should have not been a chicken," or "How can I become a lion?" And uh, because uh, uh, this is not being invented by Paolo Carlos, it's being invented by Greek uh, uh, tragedy in uh, 3,000 years ago. And I simply replicate mm -hmm. a model of uh, explaining behavior with uh, characteristics that are easily found in uh, pretty, pretty much every organization. Yeah, look, I mean, and I think, uh, I think it's like if, if you can measure it, you can deal with it. So if you can identify it, you can at least then begin to contemplate what are you? What are you like? Who are you interacting with? Uh, and I mean, I, I guess it's like I, I feel that everyone has an agenda, but as long as you can work out what their agenda is, you can begin to work out how to deal with it, you know. So, yeah, I think that that, that makes sense. And I can see why it resonated with people. Um, so as we've chatted over the year, this has been lockdown on and off. Um, has, what impact are you seeing this in terms of the kind of trends you're talking about in the book do you think it will make a difference to people's ability to, to to achieve a more meaningful way of work uh as we move forward into 2021 do you think 2020 and the pandemic will have will have impacted on on how we work and the way we want to work Simon, this is a is a great question that of course deserves quite a lot of data and time and but i will try to to be succinct, uh, 2020 is, of course, uh, uh, an incredible year at, at so many levels. Um, and it's been painful, painful on so many levels, but it also provides to me uh, an amazing opportunity to, uh, to, to reflect and to learn and also to, uh, to think uh, what is coming next. You know? So the first one, which I, I think I, I've been lucky to publish in my article in, in, uh, in your platform, um, uh, to say, okay, what's coming next? And what is next that cannot be, in my view, defined as normal, has to be defined uh, as a new context uh, rather than a new normal. And the new context implies uh, uh, that we're going to have a crisis, a constant changes, uh, and uh, chaos uh, as part of our, let's say, daily routine. In this new context, uh, we have to find uh, a different role 
uh, as leader in organization, as professional, and to me, has to do with a lot with with purpose. Uh, you can't really, uh, you know, function without a sense of purpose. And even the role of leaders has dramatically changed because in the past it was mainly related to command and control. And now with people working, you know, from the houses or remote or whatever, you have to foster trust and collaboration rather than control and manipulation. So the role of, of leaders to me is dramatically changed as well. Yeah, uh, I think so. And um, I guess it's still playing itself out. But at the same time, it has given people time to think about what 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 their preferred new way of working and a new good might be. Um, how how does Paolo Gallo stay informed and inspo inspired? Like, what are your go-to places to 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 remain keep your finger on the pulse? Well, Irish Tech News is one. <laughs> <laughs> Great. No, I mean, I mean uh, here, I think it's important. Uh, I'm going to quote maybe just one small statistic that gives the importance of uh, being able to keep the radar well alert to, to know what's going on. No? Mm -hmm. Some time ago, and uh, I'll try to go fast on this one, but in, in the year 2000, there were in the United States uh, 1.2 workers available per job. So fundamentally, were, let's say, six candidates per five jobs. In the year 2009, there were seven candidates per job available. We are at the peak uh, of the financial crisis. And uh, before the coronavirus, uh, the uh, ratio was one to one. So you may think, oh my God, that's beautiful because you have as many candidates uh, or as many people looking for jobs uh, compared to jobs available. So mm -hmm. you looked uh, from the distance, then the only tricky things to fix was the efficiency of the job market. What in reality has happened, the people that were unemployed in the year 2000, they did find a job, 85% of them, within 12 months. While 85% of the people that were unemployed in the year 2000 and 18 have been unemployed for more than two years. So what does it mean? The people in the year 2000 were unemployed, where people in the year 2018 were unemployable. And this is a, it's not a small difference. Unemployable means uh, you offer a set of skills that is no longer relevant to the job market. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the need of constantly learning is not just, yeah, you know, you spend 10 minutes uh, browsing on the internet, reading a couple of stuff. Uh, it's almost a moral imperative to continue to be relevant. And, uh, and then learning is not, you know, accumulated diplomas, it's a mindset. It's a mindset of, uh, uh, listening on podcast, uh, is reading a book, uh, is uh, going to see a movie, is having a conversation, is reading or listening uh, people and music uh, that perhaps you haven't done before. Is also trying to anticipate a little bit the game. And uh, uh, just to give an example, uh, IBM used to have a hundred of recruiters until two years ago. Right now they have only three or four because most of the recruitment, at least at the initial phase, uh, is done by artificial intelligence. So uh -huh. if you're a recruiter, and if you think that you're safe uh, and you're going to spend your life by asking to the next person, tell me how do you see yourself in five years' time, is is unlikely you're going to find that job for, for much longer. So you, you said it brilliantly a few minutes ago, Simon. Uh, we used to have in the past uh, a career. Now we have to think that uh, not only the job could change, the career could change, but even the content of the role change. And you constantly need to, uh, to learn. So how do you do it? by listening, by 
listening to a TED Talk, uh, by reading a book, uh, uh, by going to a webinar, by exchanging ideas, and you understand that you're learning if you're out of your comfort zone. So if you really push yourself to try something that you haven't tried before. When you do this, uh, this is the best insurance for you to continue to, to remain relevant in the job market. But if you keep on just doing bad, well, or even better what you've done in the past, uh, Usually, this game doesn't last more than 12 to 18 months. Yeah, I guess that's the um, definition of insanity, isn't it? That you keep trying the same thing if it's not working. So yeah, that, yeah. that would make sense. Um, look, um, I guess um, uh, an off-the-cuff one is also that, that um, we both share a great love of Springsteen. So <laughs> um, the, the, does that help and inspire you too or is that just something when you switch off uh, is there any insights we can gain from from the value of the work of bruce springsteen now first of all um no, no to me it's not uh, i mean I, I went to see bruce uh, live in concert uh, 73 times in my life so wow <laughs> bruce a uh, uh, kind of an older brother that has accompanied me in my life and i think this is a uh, is something true for, for many, many people. And I, I have to say, when Bruce comes to Europe, um, Ireland and Italy are the two places that he prefer to, to play because the fans yeah. from in Italy are uh, with Spain, I have to say. Uh, they're probably the, the, the most uh, engaged one. Now, what I've learned by listening to Bruce for the last uh, 35 years, 40 years, is uh, uh, remain, uh, this is a subtitle of my book, Remain okay. to Yourself. Remain true to yourself. What does it mean, remain true to yourself? Uh, it relates to uh, remembering what you stand for. Uh, you may think uh, they're more talented musicians than, than, than Springsteen, the way I see Peter Gabriel or Prince, uh, uh, amazingly talented musician. But Bruce uh, has an amazing capacity to remain uh, constant in the values and changing constantly in the way he displays these values. Okay, if you look at you know the concert that he's done uh, with the Peter Seeger band uh, or, or acoustic uh, or mm -hmm. the band, uh, you see that the modality in which he is is uh, sharing his his thoughts uh, and his music uh, has changed over the years, uh, but is it remain uh, let's say consistent and loyal to a set of values that he project uh, when you go and listen to his concert or listen to his songs. So what, I, what I've learned from him is his capacity to remain authentic. And then, as I saw him 73 times uh, in, in, uh, on, in concerts, I have to say, you know, in the last three years, I gave more than 150 keynote speeches. Well, you know, I, I use him as a reference point uh, to engage with people, to get them, you know, singing with me or, or list, listening my 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 speech uh, with, a, with a great degree of interest. So I'm inviting people to listen to Bruce uh, because there is so much learning attached to it uh, in addition to the musical side. Yeah, I think that's uh, beautifully explained. And um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, I think I think it, it, it makes us human and it's important to bring in inspiration from uh, other areas. So uh, absolutely. Um, look, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. So how can people learn more about you and what you do and, and delve in more into your insights? Uh, someone, first of all, me is kind of irrelevant. Uh, perhaps uh, some of the point that, that can be relevant to people is uh, by looking at reading a, of, my, of my book. And by the way, I give them the, the money, the proceeding for this book to to charity. So I really don't have any any financial interest on this one. Uh, but the book, uh, he, he, what I noticed, uh, you know, ten languages, fifty thousand copies, and and all the rest. Uh, 
it was really relevant to a lot of people to clarify their journey in their professional life. And uh, that gave me a huge amount of joy. So perhaps uh, a starting point could be consult or read my book, uh, not for the sake of increasing the sales, for which I couldn't care less, but for the sake of having a, a, a radar and a compass in your professional journey. That's very good. Um, but you are on Twitter and LinkedIn and you uh, are findable, find, findable online, I think, yeah? Absolutely, absolutely. On LinkedIn, I'm quite active and uh, I post something pretty much every day, uh, let's say three or five days per week. Uh, Twitter and uh, so this is the yeah, absolutely the, quite a lot of people that engage with me through that uh, specific channel. Um, so please uh, feel free to, to, to check or look my webpage, which is uh, paologallo.net. Awesome. Uh, thank you very much. It's been great to have you on and talk to you, particularly because we've been reading your stuff. So it's good to hear your voice as well. Thanks so much to you, Simon. And really, my congratulations. I really love your what, what you guys have published. Uh, I've learned quite a lot. And uh, frankly, I'm not a, a big tech guy, but uh, I've learned a lot by, by reading uh, all the articles that you guys have published in the last few years. So grazie for, for, for that. Grazie. <laughs> <laughs> We hope you enjoyed that podcast and we will be bringing you more across as diverse and interesting a range of stories as we can find. You're welcome to reach out to us on Twitter, LinkedIn or by email and give us any feedback and let us know what you'd like us to cover in the future. Thanks and keep listening.